Hi, I'm Guangjin, the producer of Empires, an Asian business podcast. Across the past few episodes, we've introduced to you Globe Telecom and the fintech wars that's rapidly evolving the Philippines. Because the fintech war is also ever-changing, we've invited someone who believes that they can overthrow Gcash, the current leader of e-wallets. Hi, I'm Pepe Torres. I'm the chief marketing officer of Maya Philippines. For context, since we last checked, Gcash has over 30% more users at 60 million and is valued about 40% higher than Maya at 2 billion. We'll hear what Pepe has to say and more. What is the current fintech landscape like uh, within the Philippines? We can start at the on macro level, and it's true not just right. for fintech, but tech in general. You know, you might know Philippines is just a nation that's really attractive for tech, and it's certainly ripe for revolution in the financial sector. Because just the market fundamentals are very attractive, right? It's the kind of stuff that investment bankers look at and like they drool over. You know, like we have a super strong economy, or growing six percent this year, and continue to do that. Where we have a very you know healthy population we're looking at 150 million filipinos by the end of 2023 and most importantly for tech companies it's predominantly young tech savvy and middle class right like eight out of ten have smartphones and internet like four out of ten are middle class and the biggest cohort are like 15 to 30. so super attractive for tech companies now the kicker is from a fintech standpoint despite a very digital savvy country, we still have this massive underbanked. And there's a new term that we're trying to introduce to our industry, unhappily banked. I'll talk about <laughs> that more later. Right? Because like it's kind of like this assumption, like, why are we ignoring the people who are banked? Like, why are we assuming that they're very happy with their current banking experience? Interesting. Right? Most of them aren't actually. You know, but that there's just this massive opportunity for disruption in the financial space. Certainly, I think like most countries, you know, the pandemic was just one of those things where decades happened in a short amount of time, right? Like before the pandemic, there were like, according to our central bank, I think around three out of 10 formal accounts owned. After the pandemic, that doubled, right? Six out of 10. And that's mostly driven by e-wallets and, and payments. But when it comes to like your core financial products, it's still a very different story. Like only two out of 10 Filipinos have a bank account. Only compared to, again, like six out of 10 for wallets. And more dangerously, six out of 10 Filipinos borrow from informal lending sources, right? So friends, family, Ooh. and dodgy people. And then on top of that, we have like a massively underserved uh, small, medium business sector as well. They make up like 99% of the businesses in the Philippines, but they only take up a fraction of the total banking loan sector for businesses. So super underserved. So again, that's what attracts a lot of fintechs into this space, right? All this big talk about underserved unbanked. So where are we now? We're in this age of fintech disruption, but also the way we see it from what we hear from customers, it's also just rapidly increasing complexity and noise. So I'll give you an experience of like, Guangjin, if you were employed here in the Philippines, this is probably what your experience would be like. You're going to have a mobile app from probably one of the big traditional banks. Because in the Philippines, 
unlike in Singapore, you don't get to choose where your payroll goes. Huh. Like, it's your company that chooses which bank your payroll goes to. So chances are it's going to be with one of the big traditional banks and their mobile apps are not very good. So that's yeah. one mobile app. Which is why then uh, digital banks have emerged or some of the traditional banks that are able to transform faster because they have better experiences and maybe a higher interest rate. And then there's going to be like your e-wallets because they tend to be better at payments than any other, any other app. And then if you're into like investing and crypto, that's like a fourth set of apps. Right? So it's wow. kind of wild where 10 years ago, I think the average person would be like, I'd only walk into one you know, bank branch to get all of my banking needs done. I don't have to go to four different physical branches. But now, or until at least very recently, it's become this hodgepodge experience of having to maintain multiple accounts in different apps. And ultimately, it's because there isn't yet a core app that is providing a very satisfying experience. On top of that, aside from like core like fintech, the interesting thing that's happening to us, there's just so much complexity happening in adjacent industries, right? So in e-commerce, in delivery, you know, it's like everyone and their auntie wants to have their own wallet <laughs> to, you know, Shopee has Shopee Pay, right. uh, Grab has Grab Pay. So there's so much, I guess you might call it disruption in the industry, but I think from a consumer standpoint, it really just feels a lot more like complexity. Wow. And also you were sharing about everyone being unbanked, right? Mm. Now, is everyone banked with mobile wallets? Is that what's happening right now? Sure. So formally, we don't count mobile wallets as bank accounts. Right? They're, they're, right. they're from a, a regulatory standpoint, they're financial accounts, or mm. I think formally they're like electronic money accounts, but they're not bank accounts. We have we don't see we don't know yet what the 2022 numbers look like, but at least for 2021, it's like six out of ten Filipinos have a wallet, but only two out of ten Filipinos have a bank. We're looking forward to seeing in 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 the ne- in the next two years is seeing that bank account number go up, and I'd like to think it's because we have played a very big role in accelerating that. But awesome. Yeah. But more importantly, Maya is more than a bank, right? That's the campaign. <laughs> That's right. It's everything and a bank. You got it. Okay, okay, okay. Got it. And on that point, right, I'm sure there's more than just being a electronic bank, right? Mm. In the whole fintech space, what is the future directions mm. that you are seeing everyone heading towards? Sure. So I'll be honest, some of this will sound a bit self-serving, but it's because mm. we, have, we do have a very strong point of view on the current landscape. And, mm. and that leads to a very clear approach for us where... We think, you know, we're kind of like being a trailblazer in terms of the future of fintech here in the Philippines. So a couple of things. I mean, some are positive, some are maybe not so good. But let's start with where we think it's going to be positive. We think that with all of this rapidly increasing complexity that is driven by businesses and the industry, customers are going to start demanding radical simplicity. Because like I said earlier, it's just such a pain to manage your money between multiple apps. It's a pain to have to multi- multiple like delivery and shopping apps even. And, you know, I talked about the fragmentation of a marketplace experience earlier. At the high level, somebody like Gcash says, oh, we have everything here. 
But the reality is that, say, their savings account is really provided by bank partners that are external to Gcash. And now they have multiple bank partners. So this is what the experience is like in a marketplace model. I go to the savings section of the marketplace super app. Now, when I tap that, now I think I'll see something like four or five different options for savings accounts from different brands. Okay. And then so you'll do your own, like, try to figure out which is the best option for me here. And then let's say if you open an account with their biggest partner, let's say you open an account with their biggest partner. You know what happens? 10 minutes later, you'll get an SMS from that partner saying, hey, here's your temporary username and password. You should download our app too and you'll unlock more features. Oh so my. It's a very fragmented experience, right? It's not a, it's a, it's a, it's not a very elegant experience. And this really reared its ugly head when that partner bank experienced, unfortunately, severe downtime. Like, I think more than two days of downtime mm. and people couldn't access their money. Based on our analysis of the online sentiment, the majority of customers felt like it was my account is, you know, with the marketplace, not the bank. And so they chased the marketplace app. but you know, they were not happy to hear that the response was, oh, but it's an issue with the bank and not with us. So that's kind of like the major downside of this marketplace model. And that's why for us, that radical simplicity inspired us to get our own digital banking license. And that's why we transformed into you know, like functionally what we referred to as an all-in-one digital bank. And so we were the first to bring together banking, rich wallet features, and crypto as our first form of securities or investments seamlessly into one app. You know, you're not gonna be taken to other apps. No one's gonna bother you to download other apps. And the core experiences feel world-class and seamless just in one app. And we know this is the future because the customer response has been really, really positive. We're the highest rated financial app in the Philippines. We're like 4.8 in the App Store and I think 4.4 in the Play Store. Wow. So that's like a full more than one point over Gcash. And I think that's pretty impressive given, you know, we're at the scale of millions of users too, right? Normally, like that high force is kind of like common for smaller players. So we're, we think other players are going to take notice across industries and say, hey, you know what, maybe these guys are on to something. And in fact, honestly, that's what we've heard from other players. And we're looking forward to doing the same, not just for the consumer segment, but also for the small, medium enterprise segment. So something that most people don't know is that unlike Gcash, we have an entirely different and highly successful enterprise business that's called mm. Maya Business. It is the uh, number one omni-channel brand agnostic payments processor in the Philippines. And it powers the biggest industries and the biggest players. I'll make that more tangible. Let's take McDonald's, which is one of my favorite examples. From their self-service kiosk offline, over the counter, to their mobile app or their desktop website, we power all of their payments. Whether you're paying via Visa, MasterCard, Maya, or even Gcash. And we do the same for the Jollibee group. So like just all of QSRs, we pretty much cornered. Uh, and we do the same for a lot of industries. So pretty much Maya is the payments backbone of the Philippines. Today, your biggest wallet could be Gcash. Next year, it could be 
Maya, that's the biggest kind of like app wallet. And three years from now, it could be another player. But from a enterprise standpoint, we have so much resilience because we're guaranteed to be the ones processing all of those payments. So going back to SMEs, something that, well, our, our payment options are, are great for all segments. One area where certain segments are particularly underserved are those small business owners, right? They don't have dedicated CFOs to manage their finances. They're not on the radars of big banks, right? And again, there's like a lot of fragmentation here. There's one player that might be really good at online payments, but they don't have anything offline. Or there's one player that might be good at banking, but they don't have payments. There's one that is focused on lending. They don't have, they have neither payments nor operating business deposits. Right? So again, you know, the experience for a small business owner isn't that far off from what I described for the consumer. Yeah, it's like too much of a hassle to manage all of these different vendors. And so, what we saw as a massive opportunity is to again introduce simplicity for our customer with our digital banking license and our tech. We're now able to offer integrated payments business deposit and lending into an all-in-one platform, all-in-one dashboard. You're just dealing with one external financial partner for all your growth needs. And we think in the same way we've done that with consumer, that radical simplicity is also going to work for the SME. So that's one massive, I guess, prediction that we have for 2023 onwards. And we have to, I guess, because we're betting on it that the customers are going to demand and respond to radical simplicity. For sure, for sure. The, I think the other thing that I believe, you know, kind of like the future of fintech is headed and I'm going to steal it directly from someone I've, I've listened to several times. It's this fellow named Marty Chavez. So he used to be CFO at Goldman Sachs. He's a board member at Alphabet now. He's very active in this space. What he says a lot, which I totally resonate with, is that the future of fintech is banking. Hmm. He likes to joke, like, no one's going to say, oh, I just borrowed some money from my fintech. It's just like, <laughs> it's not something that immediately connects with a human being. Right? And here in the Philippines, in particular, Filipinos trust banks. Filipinos trust banks more than e-wallets, more, twice more than they trust the government. And within Asia-Pacific, Filipinos trust banks more versus any other country. Wow. So banks enjoy high trust, uh, but traditionally are very inaccessible to the underbank. And that's why, again, it was important for us to transform into a bank. The other thing too, is like I mentioned earlier, you also have a lot of unhappily bank customers, right? Like if you ask that person, let's say the, the hypothetical Guangjin that might be working in the Philippines and you know your bank account, you don't have a choice. It's with this one of these traditional big banks. If it were up to you, you would want to be able to do all of your financial transactions on that app, but they're just not capable of doing that. That's why you have to download all these other apps, right? So you're actually unhappily mad. What would make you happy is a much more seamless experience. So that's why it was really important for us to anchor our transformation on banking, because that is uh, from a uh, customer standpoint here in the Philippines, it engenders a lot more trust. It's something that Filipinos connect more with, and it becomes a much more stronger point of appeal versus just being an e-wallet. Or even, for example, like 
how do you describe financial marketplace to an average everyday customer? It sounds like something that is a very industry thing, but it's not an everyday. Consumer. Yeah. So yeah. we think that the future is in banking, not just for consumer, but also again in the B two B space. For us, our dominance in payments in B two B is just the beginning. We also think that the future is going to be in banking. Yeah, I definitely do see simplification as like the thing that everyone wants. Just cause, at least in Singapore, right? Like I feel we had this whole e wallets craze as well. We had all of these things for a for a very small market of five million, <laughs> <laughs> but, but largely driven, you know, by like corporations, by governments. But after that, I do feel that generally people kind of stick to one. Mm. Like after you get all the rebates, right? After you get yeah. all the discounts and stuff like that, you kind of eventually stick to one just because it's complicating mm. to keep on going to all of the the different apps. So I can see that happening. What I find fascinating though is your point on banks, because I always thought banks feel scary, mm-hmm. like banks feel daunting, like like they're mm-hmm. this huge corporation, and and who knows what are they doing behind the scenes, right? Especially when what's it called? Mm, crony capitalism. Oh, crony capitalism, mm. and that's why I just keep on having this perception that perhaps mm. Filipinos might not trust like ah, big corporations, you I know. See. And that's why I found it like, whoa, really? Like, do they really trust banks? Yeah, I think there are two points to that. Number one, the Philippines isn't exactly kind of a major player from a like investment banking standpoint, right? So the same baggage that I think a lot of, let's say, Westerners have, or even in other markets around like banking doesn't exist here. You know, there's no association here of like, oh yeah, you know, like this big bank was kind of like their irresponsible decisions led to some form of, some form of economic collapse that's never yeah. happened here in the Philippines. And if anything, this is the second point, I, I give a lot of credit to our our central bank. They've been an incredible regulator. Actually, I, from what I know, one of our former central bank governors was routinely named like best central bank governor in the world, like several wow. times. You have one of the best run central banks in, in the world, actually. So, and the way they run things has engendered a lot of actions from banks that engender then trust from consumers, right? So like people can kind of like, a lot of people have top of mind this notion of, oh yeah, if I have a, a savings account, it's insured by the PDIC up to 500,000 pesos. It's top of mind for a lot of people. So banks are very much trusted here in the Philippines. I think maybe the last thing I'll say is, there is indeed kind of like a little bit of that, what feels like a paradox, you know. On the one hand, there's a lot of trust and aspiration, actually. On the other hand, why do we see low penetration of banks? And you will also hear, definitely, if you do your research, it's like there's some sentiment around, I think banks are intimidating, right? So it's like aspirational, but intimidating. <laughs> but the truth behind that is a lot of it has to do with the current experience that banks, traditional banks provide, right? I have to go to a branch and fill up a lot of forms and sometimes, and there are long lines, actually, usually there are long lines. And I think especially the more hum, the more humble your economic background is, the more intimidated you mm. become, right? It's like, mm. do I have to wear like proper 
you know, like clothes when I'm in the bank just to sign up? Will they give me the time of day? So it's really driven more by the experience when they say I'm intimidated. I even remember a, a customer telling me one time, like this was someone who used to be in the province and then went to a bank here in, in the city in Metro Manila. And they were saying, the, the banks here are so annoying. Like they're so cold. They rush me here, right? Because in where she's from, she's used to having like a leisurely chat with, you know, <laughs> with with a bank teller, right? But here it's like, you know, move along. Like we have a lot of transactions to, to process. And so when you make that whole experience a lot more accessible, right? If you can open it from your couch and nobody cares what you're wearing. And if you can sign up for, you know, a social media account, chances are you can sign up for a digital bank account too, from mm-hmm. the comfort of your home. Suddenly we can bridge both that aspiration and take away like that intimidation. Aspiration and intimidation. <laughs> that sound like my bosses. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, they, they are both aspirational and intimidating <laughs> at the same time. I, I totally got that. Yes, yes, yes. There's that duality as well. So... <laughs> Now let's go on to, you know, because Maya is a subsidiary of PLDT, right? Mm. There is obviously some kind of association with PLDT and Maya. Mm. And I think it's no secret that PLDT's reputation isn't like the best around town. So is Maya really able to decouple from the reputation? Is there really a clear sense of independence or will there be a lot of this negative spillover? Mm. Since the very beginning, Maya's always had its own set of operations. And I can say with the rebrand, it's developed a very distinct brand identity. So we're not that concerned in terms of being associated with our investors. And I, and I do want to clarify, you know, PLDT is one of our shareholders, but alongside KKR, Tencent, IFC, SIG, and some others. And, you know, just gotta say, we choose to focus on the positive contributions of our shareholders. <laughs> and I can't speak for them, but I am aware that in a recent Q1 management disclosure, they were able to share how their capex over and issues were largely resolved, for example. And I just think for any company, it's a good lesson in mm-hmm. corporate governance. But at the end of the day, to answer your question, we know that consumers see us as a very distinct brand that stands on its own. And ever since we rebranded, this again, this is gonna sound very self-serving. If you live here, you'd probably resonate with this more. You know, we've been, we're seen as one of the most aspirational and cutting edge brands, not just in finance, but across all industries. In fact, we recently launched a massive new campaign with a major celebrity. And I think the story behind it is truly unprecedented. So, there's this A-list celebrity. Her name is Liza Soberano. Ooh. And she was Gcash's biggest ambassador. She was like named box office queen of the Philippines at the age of 20. Yeah. She's been hailed one of the most beautiful women in the world. And she has over 20 million followers on social media. When her contract expired with Gcash last year, her team reached out to us wanting to collaborate. Why? Because they saw a stronger fit with our brand's aspirational momentum and Liza's next career moves and her own personal rebranding. So I don't remember her management's exact words, but 
basically it was along the lines of you know the rebrand was impressive. Maya suddenly became like the cool brand that people want to use more than Gcash, right? And celebrities, creators, they see that, and that's something that they they want to be a part of. So that's just one of the recent stories for us that like gave us a lot of confidence that we are seen certainly as a very distinct brand within the industry and really separate from our our shareholders. Right. Thanks for sharing that story because. Like previously, when I saw that shift, right, I just thought like maybe she was a mercenary, and you guys just threw more money in. And I also saw the YouTube video with the rapper. Oh and yeah. And I heard like the person, the the rapper, send you the music, and you guys just used it as it is, right? Something. Yeah, like we 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 just gave him like we practically just briefed him on our brand purpose, like what do we stand for, and what kind of like broad message we want to send around really freedom for you know his generation. And we just said we want you to touch on financial freedom, but we don't want it to be all about financial. Freedom. Yeah. And ultimately, we want you to create a single that you'd be proud to put on your Spotify, and not a jingle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. And you know, after we briefed him, like two weeks, boom, it was like he came back with something, and we were like, "It's great." You know, we don't, <laughs> we don't have much comments after that. <laughs> nice. The very last question, and I and I think you kind of give snippets along mm-hmm. the way. Uh, but how do you think Maya will stay competitive in the future? And and just to also maybe provide some perspective to the listeners, right? Gcash, I think on valuation it's about two bill, mm-hmm. and Maya is about one point four. So I I mean for perspective, Gcash looks like they have almost won this race, right? Sure. So what then can Maya do to stay competitive in this future? So I I totally understand that point of view, but. We're really, really excited about where we are now, and honestly, we think we just need to stay the course in delivering superior all-in-one banking experience for our customers, be it in the consumer segment or in the enterprise segment, and then just be aggressive wherever we see major opportunities. You know, we probably have the most robust tech team in the Philippines. Our tech team has the highest concentration of talent, and that enables us to truly design for the Philippines versus. Copy pasting from other markets. Well, let's start with the consumer side, and and you know like why we're confident about our way forward. So for perspective, we relaunched end of April our consumer business last year, and in less than a year since our relaunch, we've shattered all sorts of industry records. We've been we're almost at two million backed customers. We probably have the fastest growing loan book in the Philippines, and we've become the undisputed number one digital bank in the Philippines. We've also developed one of the most loved and aspirational brands practically overnight. So that rebrand we talked about earlier—it's widely seen as probably one of the most successful rebrands in at least Philippine history. And we've created a very strong fan base that organically talk about how much they love our experience. There's a lot of people talking about switching to Maya on Twitter unprompted, people unboxing their Maya card on TikTok unprompted. And even asking where they can buy the Maya hoodie that they saw Liza Soberano wearing in our commercial, right? Like that's a privilege that's normally reserved for fashion brands and not finance brands, right? So there's a there's a strong brand pull. Recently, we were also named one of the world's best banks by Forbes. Oh, just like and that's that puts us in like the 0.4% of banks globally. Out of the 10 banks based in the Philippines that were named one of the top banks. 
by Forbes, we're the youngest and we're the only digital bank. All your other Philippine representatives are big traditional banks with decades of incumbency. And, you know, all these accolades, all this positive stuff, it does come down to offering a simple and superior all-in-one banking experience. We're seeing millions of people switching from other banks and e-wallets. And I'll, I'll give you an insight. Remember how I said Filipinos trust banks more than e-wallets? So what used to happen is there is a habit of customers only cashing in like one to two weeks worth of expenses in an e-wallet like Gcash. And then they still want to keep the rest of their money safe in their traditional bank account because they don't feel that their money is fully safe in a wallet. And what we found now that we've developed this all-in-one digital banking experience, the ones who save or borrow money with us, they transact up to three times more than a wallet-only customer. Because customers mm. feel safe when their money is in a bank like Maya. Plus, they earn some of the highest interest rate in the Philippines with us too. So what happens next, right? Like if all my money is here, most of my money is here, it becomes very natural for me to do some of the stuff I used to do on Gcash. I'm going to start doing it here. I'm going to start paying bills here, buying airtime load here, uh, paying stores and merchants here. Because, you know, we're now their primary source or storage of funds. And when we saw that habit really, you know, taking place, we actually even doubled down on it. I think we're the first in the Philippines to truly gamify savings. So you can get as high as a 10% interest rate with your savings out here in Maya, as long as you keep using us to pay for your daily needs, right? So if you keep hitting payment milestones, you'll have a higher interest rate with us. And so ultimately, we're gaining share, not just of banking, but also of wallet away from a competitor like Gcash. And I think most folks probably in with a tech background would agree that at the end of the day, you know, a superior customer experience is going to prevail. Right? And we believe we are providing that experience. And that's why we're seeing millions of people moving more of their money and doing more of their transactions with us. So on the consumer side of things, I think the game's just begun and it's far, far from over. For B2B, we're confident we can do the same thing. Like if we can deliver a superior all-in-one experience for the consumer side and we're seeing excellent growth momentum, we can do the same particularly for small and medium enterprises. So our omni-channel payments product continues to be unparalleled. So a company you may have heard of that's in terms of digital payments for businesses in the Philippines is like Paymongo. But you know what they don't have? They don't have anything on the ground. They, they don't have any payment terminals anywhere on the ground. So if you're a hybrid company that has an online and offline presence, by default, you have to deal with two different players. Right? For us, it's just one in one dashboard. And because of this superiority, we have utmost credibility with like large enterprises that we can then kind of like halo onto small businesses, right? So imagine if you're maybe a small cafe or restaurant, if you see that, well, if the Jollibees and the McDonald's of the world like use us for payments, like why wouldn't I you know, use them for payments too? And at the same time, these smaller businesses, like I said earlier, they're starving for better banking experiences, right? Beyond payments. So just to give you a sense of how real this, you know, all-in-one banking can be for small businesses, we already rolled out our business deposit product where, you know, they can have their payments settled there, they can 
do their transfers there, their payroll there, and it just takes you a few clicks from your existing payment dashboard to open that business deposit account. We'll be doing the same for small business loans too. In just a few clicks, you'll get your loan instantly based on the transactions that we process. Contrast that to a traditional bank where, first of all, the loans are not pre-approved based on intelligent data. It's for approval based on all the documents that you submit. And on average, it'll take them 10 days for you to approve that, right? And you may even get rejected. There's no guarantee. On the other hand, for us, remember, we don't just process Maya transactions. We process all transactions, including Gcash. So it's going to be very easy for a small business owner to make us their primary payment processor. We don't have to have this hard sell of, you you know, you have to drop your Gcash customers. No, you can still accommodate your Gcash customers. Just use our point of sale to do that, right? Because the more payments we process for you, the higher the potential loan offer we can make because we have a better view, more complete view of your revenue and your cash flow. So my wife herself is a small business owner. She owns a coffee roaster that's doing really well and also a, a cafe that's doing really well. And she's at a point where the demand for her products and services is far outstripping her cash flow. And, and she's losing out on revenue opportunities because of practical things like inventory. So when I tested out like, okay, here's a, here's some of the things we're about to do. We're going to launch this like really, really soon. Her response was, this is a game changer for small business owners like me. So we're confident that we can become, or we will become the number one digital bank for SMEs too. And if you think about, if we start becoming the number one consumer digital bank, we become the number one SME digital bank. We develop a very, very strong ecosystem. We start developing unparalleled information with respect to customer payment behavior. Because again, you know, Gcash, they can only see the transactions that are processed through Gcash. We see all the transactions of that merchant beyond Gcash, right? So that gives us some advantages in intelligence too in the, the way that we go to market eventually. So yeah, but I think at the end of the day, at Maya, we, you know, we say our brand purpose is to create a Philippines where we can make bolder choices with their money. That was Pepe, Chief Marketing Officer of Maya. If you want to learn more about Maya, we've dropped the link in the description. Follow us so you won't miss out on the next episode where we'll meet Neil, the Chief Marketing Officer of Gcash, who intends to provide more perspective on the landscape. But better yet, explain why Gcash would remain the top fintech app despite the competition.